0: Welcome to a special edition of our show, History on the Vox with Katie and Allie. Usually we'd be hanging out just the two of us with a couple of cocktails talking about famous women in history, but sometimes we like to talk to people who are writing about cool women, cool women, <laughs> any cool women, <laughs> any cool woman will do. We have a very special guest returning to us today, Amina Akhtar. Welcome to the
1: show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. We're happy to have you again. If you don't remember, Amina is a former fashion editor who now spends her days writing thrilling novels, and she's here to talk about her third book, Almost Surely Dead. And last time she was here, she talked about Kismet. Mm-hmm. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about yourself? About me? I So I am a former fashion editor, and by that I mean
2: I worked at Vogue and Elle and New York Times and New York Magazine, where I launched the Cut blog. This is like a whole lifetime ago it feels like and (laughs) that was in my old life and then um and now I'm writing books I moved to Arizona oh gosh like seven years ago to to live with my dad because he was by himself out in the mountains and I was like all right let's let's have an experiment and so I came out here and then I was like what do I do with myself? No. <laughs> like, ah! So I started writing my books. I mean, I'd already had one done, but it hadn't gotten published yet. And so the first book got published while I moved here. And then Gismet was my ode to Sedona because I'm about 20 miles from Sedona. And then Almost Early Dead is kind of an ode to my childhood
0: in a really weird, bizarre way.
1: Yeah, that
0: way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so excited to talk about this book, but first we have to talk about the cocktail we made for it. So yes. this is called Almost Surely Dead, and it is vodka, sweetened lime juice, turmeric, peach schnapps, and you top it with tonic. And it's this gorgeous yellow. Oh my mixture. god! Look at that.
2: That is amazing.
0: Cheers. <laughs> get like you should get some purple mm-hmm. sugar. Yeah, on the I rim. that, I was like, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's anything like purple I could have like dove into the middle to make like the bottom purple but yeah.
2: ugh, it looks really kind of it's kind of like a tequila sunrise when you get the different colors yeah right, mm-hmm. right? am I thinking of the right one yeah oh, that's right yeah. how does it taste it's oh, it's really
0: delicious. <laughs> uh, yeah the turmeric and the peach together are we'll really
2: pretend beautiful. I have it yeah, yeah There <laughs> um I just have my seltzer because yeah, I'm a seltzer junkie
0: <laughs>
1: so before we dive into the book can we set the scene last time we were in the arizona desert like you said you're in sedona where are we this time we're in new york
2: because (laughs) i needed that sensation of being surrounded by people uh and not knowing if it was dangerous or not right because it's new york there's always people everywhere and in arizona i haven't seen another human who i'm not related to and i don't know how many days so (laughs) i was like all right let me do new york um and it starts out with my number one new york fear when i lived in new york for 20 years i had this big fear of being pushed in front of the subway Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean it's the subway it's the sidewalk rates and it's the air conditioner falling on your head you know like those are the three that i'm like "Mm." Mm. Yeah. So the first chapter, the main character almost gets pushed in front of the subway. And from there, her life
0: starts to fall apart a little bit. Mm. Just a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) just a bit. (laughs) A touch. touch. So Dunya is our main character. And in the present day portion of the book, she has been missing for over a year. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about her and how the book is laid out? Because we're talking about like yeah. her and her child. Timelines. Yes. There, there's timelines. Interesting. You I know, love different timelines. So can you like
2: I, her- I I do. And I kind of feel like it's a cheating way to do things because it's like, <laughs> you, you get different characters' points of view this way, which I think is always important in a story because there's always like, even if you have a, a reliable main character, their their idea is skewed, right? What they think is happening is always skewed to them. So, um... At the beginning, we have three timelines. There's Dunya, and as she's been attacked, and she survives, and then more people attack her. And like she literally has no idea why. She doesn't understand what's happening. Some of the people attacking her, she doesn't know who they are. She's trying to figure this out. At the same time, her mom has just died, and she just got out of a relationship where she broke off an engagement. So she's got a lot of upheaval and grief and just these out-of-control emotions she's trying to figure out. And, you know, she's a very normal person. She's a pharmacist at Dwayne Reed. You know, like, holla at Dwayne Reed. Um, And (laughs) she's not, like, super glam. She just is trying to get through her life. Mm -hmm. And all these things start happening. And as they start happening, you start to wonder, is something not right with her? Because she's not only sleepwalking she is possibly being haunted and you're not sure. Cause it's like, this, it's just this, enough that you feel like doubt. Like that's not normal. Is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. So that's her main timeline. And you're trying to just see what happens to her. Cut into that is a podcast. That's about a year and a half later, give or take. And it's two girls who, um, really want a Netflix deal. And <laughs> I feel like putting it out there, they're not really the best true crime podcasters. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, so they're kind of like the point of comic relief, but they're really trying to hunt down what happened to her because as far as they know, Dunya's disappeared. And that hasn't happened yet in the other timeline. So they are interviewing everybody, her best friends, her sister, the police, her ex, anyone they can get on the show to be like, what the heck happened to this girl? Um, and it's also a great way I drop off like like plot information to, in, in their chapters of like who got arrested, who's doing this. So it's a great way to keep things moving into a different timeline. Mm. The last and the spookiest timeline is Dunya when she's five. And a lot of things happened to her when she was five. Her father died um, while she was in the room. He had a heart thing happen. And her mother and her sister, Dunya, in her eyes, they blamed her for it. As she felt she was ostracized and estranged from everybody. Um, But then you start to find out that maybe there was more to the story than what Dunya was presenting. And maybe it has to do with gin, which is not the alcohol, but the spiritual entity. Um, And that might be kind of causing all of this. And so you sort of have to go through to figure
1: out what is real and what isn't. Can you tell us a little bit about your choice in choosing to drop that story information through a podcast? Were you, did you start with that idea and then make the story from there? Or did you start with the story and then choose the podcast? I think I started with the story. And then as I was writing,
2: I was like, you know, it would be really great if we had somebody investigating this, um, just to like, be like, oh, I really wish we could say XYZ was arrested, you know, and like kind of kind of lead the reader a bit. And I was like, we can do that in a podcast. So let's do that. And then it was kind of like, well, we can make it comedic and then we can um sort of take on the concept, like the question of who owns the story when you're doing podcasts, right? Especially true crime. So true crime has gotten... Huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some really amazing podcasters out there who, you know, they're lawyers and they're investigators and they're legitimately helping the people that they are doing stories. And then there's people who are just trying to get a Netflix deal, like don't care about who owns what, Mm -hmm. just want the story. And that's who who these women are. Um, They don't really care about Dunya so much as, um, hey, guys, pay attention to us, give us money. And so it's really, it's like I even put commercials in just to make it like hammer home how uh, ridiculous some of it can be
0: right yeah I did love that because at some <laughs> point like she's talking to one of her friends and she's like so you were friends with her and she's like I am friends with her like she's not like she's not
2: dead <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah yeah oh god oh, Kendra oh, I love oh, Kendra
2: Kendra. Kendra was the one who was just like listen stop talking about her like she's dead she's not yeah. she's just missing you know yeah. and it's like, and, like gotta be the sensitive to like,
0: missing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love the promo and then the yeah
2: the promos oh god Dunya <laughs> I put her through hell. Yeah, yep. poor girl. <laughs>
0: Sorry, she could use a drink. Yeah, <laughs> she absolutely could. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you mentioned it a little bit, but a big part of Dunya's story is her Pakistani roots. Can you tell us a little bit about her family? And yeah,
2: are you talking about so?
0: gin or, or there more? Fo- is there more folklore involved?
2: Oh, there's more. There's always more folklore. But in this one, I kind of wanted to to focus it because it it could be so much. So right. I grew up with um, my parents are Pakistani oh. with gin stories all of the points like gin to us. Uh, I say us, I mean me, like I can't speak for every, every Pakistani person, but everyone I know in my family firmly believes in them. Mm-hmm. Like there are stories of interactions with them. My father's side of the family would work, work with them. I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> like I have tried to get more and more stories and they just get more and more bizarre. So um, I was, I've always wanted to do something about the gin uh, because there's not a lot in pop culture about gin. And there, what, little there is um, up until recently was written by people who were not from the culture. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not their stories. It's not what they have heard since they were children. Um, and I think that makes a difference. And now there are some new new ones. There's um, a new book by Shipnam Khan that just came out about Jin, which I'm excited to read. Um, I hope this is like the year of the Jin. Like that would be <laughs> amazing, right? <laughs> like everybody just get into it. And there's such an interesting concept because they're not good or evil. You know, they are these free willed beings who can do what they like. And in a lot of the research I did, because I went through academic texts, because I wanted to make sure I got it right beyond what I knew for my personal and my family life. Um, and they predate a lot of the Abrahamic religions. And there, you know, there were cases of Jewish gin, too, you know, so there were it was this overwhelming character entity thing that. um we in America don't have any reference for but they're like all over the world and I mean if you're a believer if you think I'm crazy that is totally fine I don't mind um and there was one book that I read and I can't remember which text it was but they were talking about how fairies are actually a type of djinn and that was like an aha moment for me that I was like oh so we were just calling them all by different names Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of really fun to find out
1: yeah and so in this book and in Kismet with Ronnie, we have young girls with Desi backgrounds and trying yeah. to find their way in the world. In what way did you want to show their similarities, but also the differences? Well, Ronnie, God bless Ronnie. Oh, my sad Ronnie. <laughs> I love her. I still love her.
2: Yeah. You know, she had no no goals in life. Nothing. She didn't know what she wanted. Whereas Junia, you know, she's been pretty driven. She's gotten her job. She got a PhD in pharmacy school um, she just, her personal life is just exploded mm-hmm. and, you know, and also like she's dealing with grief and, you know, when you're dealing with grief, you're, you, everything kind of goes crazy. Mm-hmm. I always have these characters who are like, a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because being a uh, child of immigrants, you kind of have a foot in each world and you don't fully belong to either. And you can kind of, you know, there, so at some point you kind of go one way or the other. And I, I was like a little bit more this and more like more americanized um and it wasn't it was like either you're either you're gonna be this and you're gonna do religious stuff and you're gonna do this at the time uh or i'm gonna be me and i'm gonna kind of separate myself so i always felt a little cut off and a little estranged even though i was very close to my family um and i think coming back and living with my father has been so so great for that because i can ask him a million stupid questions you know and be like wait a minute back up when you say you saw Gandhi, what do you mean by that? You know, and I can like really dig in. Um, so I'd like to have my characters kind of have that feeling because I'm not the only immigrant's kid who felt that way, right? There's a there's a term for us, um, which is the ABCDs, which is American born confused thisies, <laughs> because we don't know where we belong and where we fit in. And those are my characters because that's essentially how i've felt my whole life like where do i belong i don't know uh you have to kind of carve your own niche in life um so that's kind of why we have these girls who are who i say girls they're older but they, <laughs> dunia's not a child she's late in later <laughs> 30s um she she's just she doesn't know who she is she doesn't know who she belongs to she doesn't know anything about her culture and She wants to, but she also feels like she was booted out. Like they kicked her out after, you know, nobody wanted to hang out with her when she was five years old and she's having trouble
0: letting that go. Yeah. Do you think that Dunya in the story would be surprised that some of the things that her family and friends were saying about her in the podcast? Yes. Think about this. Like, I loved that part
1: because, it, oh, like, here's the thing: <laughs> it's a, it's like
2: there there's always three sides of the story, right? Yeah. Your mm-hmm. side, their side, and the truth. And so you'll see her doing like, well, this is what happened; it was terrible. Duh, duh. And then you get at the podcast, and it's like the exact opposite of what yeah. actually happened. And you're like, oh, is Dunya going crazy? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> So it was really, it, and I think also when you're going through it, when you're really having these, you know, and I, I lost my mom. I've been deep in the grief thing mm-hmm. before. Your mind gets a little funky, or at least minded. Like you know, it's like you start, and if you're getting weird things and you're getting haunted, you don't know what to believe anymore. So she's automatically believing the worst, mm-hmm. and other people are like, oh no, that. Yeah, no, she did that. That was weird, of yeah. her. You know, it's like so. I just felt like it was a fun way to um show how unreliable she is, because mm-hmm. uh, she's she's very unreliable. Even though she's you know likable and not like a serial killer or anything, yeah. she does. You can't trust what she says. Yeah. Right.
1: Are there any true crime stories that inspired you when you were writing this? Um, well, I did uh not true crime, but I did do
2: a podcast uh called The Hidden Gin that Rabia Chaudhry did. She is um, she does true crime. Mm-hmm. I, I mean she she does do crime. She I mean she's a non lawyer, you know? Like she's, she's <laughs> a big deal. Uh she's not just a podcaster. So that was part of it, but a lot of it came, and this is gonna weird people out, it came from my own life because of the gin stories. Um, and she sleepwalks, and I sleepwalks. Ooh. Which is really creepy, really, really creepy. <laughs> um, and I uh also pulled from events I had where I had interactions with things that I'm not to this day certain what was happening. Mm. Um, and and like the weirdness because the entire time you're like, this isn't happening, this isn't real, this is not logical. And then, you know, so I wanted her to have that experience of being like what's what's going on <laughs> like why am I sleepwalking and why are there notes to me and what's happening and
0: yeah yeah and did you have a favorite character to write in the story like did you because I know you you talk oh, about the podcasters super were super fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
2: I really liked writing Zabir just like this earnest nice good character yeah. And I didn't think I would. I didn't think I would enjoy I any. Mean, I mean, there's moments when you're reading it and you're like, Zabir, is, is, he's the killer, right? <laughs> um, but I just enjoyed the way he's like this person who knows who happens to be a professor of South Asian po- folklore and culture. He pulls Dunya back into her finding herself. Like she starts to learn more about their culture, but he does it in a way that doesn't lecture her or make her feel worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed that. So I enjoyed watching their, their friendship kind of develop Mm -hmm. um I didn't set out to have him as a character he just showed up one day and I was like oh hello Hello. (laughs) welcome to the party um but he was really fun and the podcasters were amazing I think the hardest chapter were the the five-year-old ones because I wanted to speak as a five-year-old but then it's like mm, you know sometimes I use big words and sometimes they don't, you know, like my niece does. And I'm always like, oh, how do they talk? I don't know. <laughs> um, so that was definitely a challenge, you know, and also having like a five-year-old not grasp things of what the situation is, you know, what, what's happening to her. So that was, that was definitely a challenge.
1: When you're writing like a thriller, mystery, whodunit, what's the most difficult piece? Is it hard to sprinkle in facts and not give too much away? Or is it, is that easy for you? That part's easy. And
2: I always feel like it's all very obvious. I'm like, oh, you guys are going to guess it all really fast. It's fine, you know? And then people are like, no, your brain is nuts. Nobody's guessing it. <laughs> um, I, You know what the hardest part for me is I'll know the beginning and I'll know the end. It's the soggy middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a soggy middle where you're like, so I ha- I know what the beginning's going to be and I know what the ending. It's just all that stuff in the middle has to happen. And it's like, mm, that's so much. That is so much stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. And did you get to do any kind of self-exploration while writing this book? So it feels like there's a bit of a, a you know personal side that gets- Oh
2: yeah, no, this is like my most personal book I've ever written, which is funny because yeah. The Fashion Victim was, was my career and stuff. But um, I think so. I don't, you know, it's one of those things where it's like having, maybe I'd already done some of that inner mm-hmm. work um, so that I could really look at her and her mother's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted her relationship with her mom to be Uh, you know, how if you're, I would say if you're lucky to have good parents, because not everybody is that lucky. There's a point when you're an adult 20s, even 30s where you'll look back and you have a moment of, Oh my God, they were right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it is just like kind of a horrifying moment where you're like, geez. And I wanted her to have sort of this moment or, or, or work up to this moment with her mom, where she can kind of figure out why her mother treated her the way she did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, show that her mother was also just a human being trying to make do in a in a really bad situation. And, you know, I think that that's part of the inner work. It's like realizing, oh, your parents are just people. They're people trying their best. And we all have to give them a little bit of grace, um, which I don't think that I have done enough in my life, probably. My dad would probably agree with that. <laughs> he would just be like, no, she yeah. yells at me. Uh, <laughs> so... So that's definitely something I've been working on and hoping, you know, I hope other people see that, too. Because when my mom, I wish I could, my mom first moved here in 72, literally straight from Pakistan. And they'd moved, they were living in Reno, Nevada. And men at the store, just polite, being polite, would say, good morning, you know, like people do. And she was scandalized. she was like... (laughs) they're talking because you you don't do that over there so there are just all these moments of like you forget how human our parents are and how many things that they've endured and like the stories that they've told that there's a reason they're telling us these stories so I kind of really hope that people
1: feel that maybe call their parents up maybe they don't I don't know (laughs) yeah so this book releases on February 1st What online or in-person events are you doing that people could possibly join in on? I'm doing a couple in person. I have long COVID, so I'm not doing a ton
2: of events at the moment in person, but I have a launch in February 1st in New York at PT Knitwear at 7 p.m. Come on down. Um, If you're in Arizona, I'm doing the Tucson Book Festival again this year, which I love. It's like my favorite festival. Um, The other in-person ones I'm still you know, building out, I kind of don't like to layer it all in one month. And then that's it. It's like, let's just keep it going. Um, and I'm definitely doing a bunch of digital stuff, but I'm always down to,
0: to go see readers and hang out. Okay. Perfect. And, and then take
2: a nap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. And where can people find this book and your other work when it comes out? You
2: can find it on, well, obviously Amazon, cause it's Minnie's yeah. book studio and that's with Amazon um and then any any bookstore you can order these books so if they don't have it in stock you can request it if you have a favorite local that you want to go by all means I love locals get it from your library I love a good library read like all of that is
0: amazing to me so however you want to get your books go forth right perfect and then one last question is there any like desi woman that inspires you that you would want us to cover on our podcast in the future
2: mindy hello (laughs) i love the fact that here she is making all these amazing shows you know getting involved in documentaries and and stuff and at the same time she's like here let me open the door for authors of color come on in you know and like that to me is the most amazing thing because that that doesn't happen right like how how often can you say, Oh, Hey, a celebrity liked my book enough to, to put it out on her imprint, you know? And so I just find that somebody who's willing to do that is incredible. And we need more of that. So I feel like every one of us who is succeeding needs to make sure we're holding the door open for everybody else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. We talked about Mindy a while ago because Mm -hmm. I got mad because there's a big billboard in Baltimore that was like Mindy Kaling actress. And I was like, She's so much. That. Than, like, yeah. <laughs> Producer, writer, what? like she's everything. Yeah. It's like a really big deal in like, so many ways. And I, it was like during
1: Women's History Month because yeah. it was like a rotating <laughs> billboard. And I was like, ah,
0: <laughs> like you're missing a huge chunk of Oh, the-
1: bless.
2: <laughs> you know, it was from like some ad agency with the. Yep with a guy oh, and yeah. a chicken and <laughs> like we're gonna put some chicks up it's gonna be great yeah <laughs> you know that's totally what it was yeah. right <laughs> exactly well, frankly all I really want is to be able to go hang out in her closet for a little yeah. bit yeah.
1: not that anything would fit me I just want to like look at it all yeah yeah just touch <laughs> it yes yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. It's been an absolute thank pleasure. You. and we can't wait to meet up for your next book. Next one. I'm writing it down. I'm getting to it. I'm just slow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun cocktails though, on that one. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, you guys. It's so good to see you again. Yeah, good to, yeah, see good you. to see
0: you. Too. <laughs>